Thank you for listening to this podcast. I also hope you can get a ticket for Saturday the 23rd of March when I host 1994 Energy Rush at the Classic Grand in Glasgow. Ultrasonic, the legend Frank the Wolf, Suburban Delay, we've got Scott Brown, Joe Deacon and Malcolm X. Listen, enjoy these podcasts so I can do more. Please share them on your page, let your friends know about it and give us a wee review on iTunes and Podbean. That will help me continue to record even more podcasts in 2019. Play the 99 number and people get sick. Welcome, Mr. Mark Archer. Thank you. Um, I know you had a late night last night and I appreciate you coming yeah. along. No, no, it was, it was a good one though last night. Yeah, it was really great. Ended. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so it's, this is the day after New Year's Day. Yeah. You were sort of winding up the... Man Behind the Mask tour, was that last night? Or was it was, well, technically it was the, the night before in Bristol. That was the last the last gig of, of the tour. Yeah. Um, I started playing at half 11, so we just about made it for the last half an hour of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, was that a year long tour, that yeah. tour? Yeah, it start, started January the 1st last year. And that was celebrating... 30 years of, of doing this evil, years, evil business. Well, yeah, it's, it's mad when I've been doing this longer than some people who come and see me have been alive it's yeah you know weird you've been touring the touring the world before the superstar DJs had mixed their first record yeah <laughs> it just makes me feel dead old <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean last night was brilliant it was just it was, it was such a good crowd it was a great venue and it, and it was just a sort of I don't know a, a master class of what was great about the music yeah you know yeah. You, you right across the board sort of thing it's it's try whenever I play out, I try and you know mix it up rather than just banging with one kind of style. Yeah. Just give it a kind of um, a, a tour through rave. Yeah. Kind of thing. So a, yeah, a bit of everything. Yeah. Which is you know it it tends tends to work best with when you've never played at a club before. If you know what a certain club likes, you can go in on that yeah. angle. But if you've never played somewhere before, it's nice to sprinkle a bit of everything and yeah. you know, hopefully it goes down well. And you're just trying a bit of everything and finding your way yeah. through it. That was broken. I remember, the. I think it was one of the first times you came up and played in 1994, you played Cybersonic Technarchy and yeah. it was the first time I'd literally heard it in a sound system since back in the day. No way. And I was just like, oh, mate, that's fucking brilliant. That's, that's just one of those tunes where... I mean, I can remember the very first time I heard it. I think it was in Nottingham. Yeah. And just the way it did, I later on realised it's like a reverse edit. To me, when I first heard it, it sounded like the tune slowed down. And it was yeah. like, what is that tune that slows down just before it bangs back yeah. in again? And then I heard it in Birmingham and ran over to the DJ. I was like, what's this? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I bought it today. And I was like, I'll buy it off you. And he charged me eight quid and I've still got that copy is now. Is that right? Yeah. Right off his deck? He's yeah, he's like, because yeah, yeah. there's no way where I was living there's no record shops right. you know and he lived in Birmingham so he was like oh I can go and get another copy not a problem so yeah. I'll have that one then brilliant yeah so this wee podcast I mean we, we kind of talk about the scene and what goes into it so like going right back 
Yeah. What, what age were you and when was you first aware of, no, not so much dance music, but when was you aware of music? When did it come into your life? Um, I mean, my dad always had the radio on always um and when they had dinner parties i mean he, he was actually a, a singer in like a, a a group and played um percussion congas and stuff um and you know they did like comedy clubs and what have you dinners and yep. dinner dances and stuff so there was always music going on he always had the radio blaring singing along to it so there was i, I was always into music but just kind of like everything you know anything that was on the radio it was cool I was I didn't oh, I really don't like this yeah. I like this kind of thing it was just everything it was only when when I was about 10 and we moved um from from where I was born to another village you know in in the same county and it it was kind of frowned on that you liked everything you know it's like if you said oh that Cliff Richard song's not bad you know you get your head kicked in <laughs> so all of a sudden he's like you've got to like heavy metal case kicked in now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's not something you want to be proud of <laughs> but it is um, you had to like heavy metal yeah you know, my my year at school, it was like you've got to be into Rainbow and Motorhead and White yeah. Snake and all that lot. Um, so you you kind of had your music taste formed for you by uh, your peers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you would get your head kicked in, you know, if you yeah. didn't if you didn't like that kind of music. Um, so I was, you know, I was I was into kind of musics that were were big at school. So it went from like heavy metal through to the, like the the two tone thing and everything. But I think before that, I'd kind of noticed it was the funkier kind of songs that were on radio, like Chic yeah. and Earth, Wind and Fire, that were the ones that I really liked. You know, I, I liked everything. Yeah. Apart from Cliff Richard. Um, <laughs> Although millennial song's quite a good... <laughs> Devil <But>, Woman. <laughs> See, you know titles. <laughs> I know my Cliff. <laughs> but it was, it, it was the funkiest stuff that I, I really kind of, you know, yeah. got into. Um, but there was this, the peer stuff where you yeah. had to like certain kind of music. Yeah. And I mean, what was... Could you remember... You know, was there any sort of particular track that was you buying records then, or was there, was there one that made you go out and buy a record? Or was you kind of buying what your friends were buying then? The first song I ever wanted to buy was um, Our Friends Electric for Gary oh, Newman. Gary Newman, but I bottled it. Yeah, went in the record shop and just didn't have the bottle to go up yeah. to the counter. That's mad, isn't yeah. it? But I mean, that, that was such a, a bold statement then yeah. as well, wasn't it? Yeah, like there was always people stood up by the counter, and yeah. it was like you, you felt bad for kind of pushing in, and you thought you were going to get sneered at. Yeah. So I bottled it, and that went, you know, came in and out of the charts. And then when Cars came out, I plucked up the courage and went and bought that. And where I actually got to the counter and, and put Cars down, and I went back and got our friends Electric as well. So I got those both at the same time. Brilliant. Um, Amazing I'm not, album I, as well. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that album's some fantastic stuff on there. But I, I'm not sure why I bought I mean I was into like synthy kind of stuff I mean I, bu I bought the, the first Tears for Fillers album mm -hmm. but I was also getting into like the dance stuff at yep. the same time so it was you know quite quite varied at the start my musical taste mm -hmm. but I, I think I've kind of got a bit narrow as I've got older 
I, yeah. like, I like that and that's it Whittled it down to what, yeah. you, what you want I mean So the scene When you're saying like uh, Newman and stuff like that I was speaking to Blandy And he he was saying the exact same He said there was a guy at his work Who'd like sort of dressed like Gary Newman He was like Fuck check that guy yeah. He must be into what I'm into Sort of thing yeah. And there was that sort of You could see the people Who were starting to get into like synth music And You know I suppose it's kind of happened All through all the genres in it yeah. You kind of start to I don't know, maybe express yourself through what you're wearing or whatever or where you're going. Was there something like that bubbling up in the sort of village you were growing up in or was it, it very it, much... Well, because I went to the, to high school in in the, the, the closest town in Stafford. Um, so there was like the whole new romantic thing, yeah. you know, coming in. Um, so I, I went through like the, the two-tone thing and the, the scar thing and then kind of got into... Um, some of the the new romanticy kind of stuff, but at the same time, like Big Country came out. Yep. You know, I, I like that their first album. Um, but I, I think <clears throat> the main one where it was I, I totally identified with something. This lad um, called Sean Lester, and he's I, I won't go into the story, but he's well spooky. But he he's was well spooky. It, it, just the, the, the story, story of how right, I know right. him and, yeah, and yeah. how he keeps cropping up. Um, he Throughout was your entire career, he, sort of. Well, where I was born, right. this little village, he was he lived there, uh-huh. then completely disappeared in the early years of first school, and then we moved to a completely different village, and I started school after the summer holidays, and he was there. Yeah, and he was like, "What are you doing here?" And then it went through middle school and high school. Um, and then didn't see him again. And we did a Nexus 21 PA in 1990 at this Sudley Castle, just done the PA, packed all the gear down, walking through the crowd. And there he is again. Yeah. And I'd not seen him since high school. And it was like nowhere near where we lived. So what on earth are you doing here? And then didn't see him since from 1990. And then last year I was in Ibiza and he pops up again. That's bizarre. And it's you know I've known him all my life, but he just keeps yeah, keeps yeah. popping up. He's like Mister Claypool. <clears throat> just yeah. come <laughs> but he was it was it was weird because he came to school one day with you know like the you all had the Adidas sports bag, and he had all these names written on his bag. Yeah. And I thought they're the weird kind of goth groups or whatever. He's like, what's all this? And he's like, oh, it's called Electro. And he got like uh, two sisters, B boys, Shannon, all yeah. that. So you know, tried to do graffiti on his bag. And his stepdad um, owned a, a, a nightclub near to where we were living. So he was getting all these imports in, and so he was listening to all these new stuff. So he was he was a bit of a bit ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when I started buying like the 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 electro cassettes, street sounds things. Would you would you ever start any break dancing or anything like that? I I never got I've never in my life got the bottle to do yeah. stuff. So I I never had the bottle to throw myself on the floor. So I just did all the <laughs> the body body the easy way. Touch out. me, touch yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wish it's one of those things I wish you know that I'd have learnt but again because I was in this little village and you had no group of friends around you where they were all doing it so mm-hmm. you got into it there was no way I'd have learnt 
Yeah. You know, there wasn't any instruction manuals. Yeah. It wasn't on TV. There's no YouTube. There's no internet no. back then. Not. So, he's, you know, when you when you lived in a town and all your mates were into it and you all went around someone's garage, you know, and, and practice on your yeah. cardboard or lino. But it was just me in this village. So there was no, no yeah. way of knowing how to do it. So uh, that was me. Just the break, me on. Yeah, you were just... What was that? Body popping then? More a body popper yeah, than a break dancer. That was it. But see, like, when when Electro came in, what would that be, like, early 80s, would you say? I mean, there was, there was the odd bit on the radio, you know, like Rapper's Delight. Uh-huh. And then the, I remember the first time I ever heard the message, Grandmaster yep. Flash, on Amazing. the radio. And he was like, this bloke's... He's not singing, he's talking. Yeah. And he was so different. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that anywhere from like 81 to 83, that was when all yeah. that kind of stuff came in. And the full electro thing, I, I remember, you know, like the, what was the, the compilation albums, they were all numbered and all that. Yeah, the Street Sounds ones. They, they were just amazing. I, I just felt like with the, with the kind of tracks, it was like music for space. Yeah. You know, it was just like, never heard anything like yeah. this before. It's like techno, it's just yeah. futuristic kind of stuff. And that was, would you say, all right, disco and all that kind of stuff, but would, would Electro be maybe the, one of the sort of main foundations for dance music, yeah. electronic music? For, well, it was, I mean, it was, a, it was a, a hefty influence on like the whole UK rave thing, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's... It, there was loads of influences all came in at the one time, but we used to draw, you know, further back from like the electro yeah. thing. I mean, if you listen to any of the, the the alternate tracks, there's always something sampled off one of my electro cassettes. On, on sampled from yeah. cassette. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, we t- we've got analog. Yeah, I, you know, I I take my cassettes in that I had since the early eighties, yeah. and we 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 take loops, drum loops, vocal samples, anything. So it wind the first part up. If you were to pick a track from from back in those days, what we've talked about, what, what would you kind of say be a good representation? I think um, Buffalo Girls by Malcolm McLaren. That That's was just, yeah. you know, when, when you saw the video that had the break dancing and the body popping and the graffiti and the whole thing, yeah. you know, it had that novelty edge with the, you know, the square dance bit in it, but it was also, you know, it was proper authentic. Yeah you know, New York hip-hop with the scratching and everything. It's like, oh, you saw someone doing scratching and I, was, I ruined so many records. <laughs> I didn't know anything about having to have a slip mat. So yeah. you'd like be doing this and it, it just ruined the grooves on the the other side of the record. Yeah. But you're scratching like a wizard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut my stuff. Scratching like someone with fleas. <laughs> right, so we'll play that then we'll come back for another chat. Nice one. Outside, round the outside. You know it. 
outside, round the outside. Three buffalo girls go around the outside. Malcolm McLaren, he was the Sex Pistols manager, wasn't it? And yeah. then he's stumbled across there's, another scene and exploited yeah, there's that. A, there's, a, there's a video, sort of hip hop, a street history, it's called. I've, got it, I've still got the VHS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> check me out. I haven't got a VHS player. <laughs> but you'll keep that yeah. tape. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's not going anywhere. I, I still say to people, what is that one tonight? I, I'll tape that. And you're like, fuck, yeah, it's exactly. digital man, I'll download yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, people even go, like, I've done a mixtape, and he's like, no, it's on SoundCloud. It's yeah. Not, yeah. Well, but he apparently he was out in New York promoting the Sex Pistols, or I think it was Bow Wow Wow at the time mm-hmm. he was looking after. And someone invited him to a block party jam and Africa Bombard was there and everything. And it just, he could see, you know, like the DIY mentality kind of thing that was very similar to punk. Yep. So, uh, yeah. But he's, he, I mean, that's, he, he got me into like, the, that tune got me into electro, but also the artwork on, on his sleeves was by Keith Haring, which all his stuff I love, you know, it got me into like a certain kind of artwork yeah. and the graffiti and everything, so... A full culture sort of thing, yeah, almost, isn't yeah. it? And so th- th- this that track, that's you, you buying dance music. Was you continuously buying, always buying music, sort of thing? And did that lead to the production, or was you know? So what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, like uh, how did 
I was buying t- tapes, all the electro ones. Tapes, and, and yeah. And it, I mean, I was collecting them because people saying, "Oh, you want to buy them on record?" And it was like, well, "But you know, records can jump." Yep. So I'll get my cassette, and then people, are, "Yeah, but cassettes can show up," which they did yeah. occasionally. Yeah. The um, risk. But it, I, I'd sit down and while the, the tapes were playing, read everything, all the small print. You know, who produced yep. it? Who was the publisher? Just everything on the tape. I mean, with the first the first electro I heard because they're mixed I didn't even know the concept of, of mixing yeah. I thought all the groups had gone in the studio together and made it so like your song fits with my song well like a I band mean, almost yeah. kind of yeah. thing yeah, yeah I yeah, mean yeah. how ridiculous is yeah, that yeah. but he's because because you'd not seen it, yep. no one told you about how these things were done yeah. and, and your knowledge is coming from mm. your little reading sleeve notes and exactly. hearing Chinese whispers for people yeah. that heard this and heard that and you know, it was it was the people from Stafford who were into it. You know, they were I got say older brothers or whatever who yep. go out to like clubs and bingo mixtapes and and they'd pass the knowledge down and then it'd filter down to me. You know, so I was a bit late in the game mm-hmm. as far as knowing a lot of things, but the, the the buying the electro cassettes was was the main thing, um, and I had no there was no intention of. I'm going to start making music and I want to I want to make a song. It was just I wonder how they do that. Yep. So there was n- there was never ever I'm going to make a track. It was there's a song called um We Come to Rock by the Imperial Brothers. It's on one of the electro sets. And it's I listened to it that carefully. It's got someone coughing and they sample it and play a tune with this cough. Yeah. And it was like how are they doing that? Yeah. And then one time, I, I, when I left the YTS scheme after I'd finished school, got a YTS scheme, was doing painting and decorating, and I got a job at a, a painters and decorators. So I used to walk through town to get a bus, and I walked past Dixon's, and they got this Casio SK1 sampler. It was a tiny little keyboard, and you literally just press the button and then in, into the <laughs> microphone, and then you could play that up and down the key. Yeah. And it, so, Which was genius at the same so, time, yeah. mind-blowing. So I went home, and the cough on that record is right on its own at the very end. So I held it by the speaker, sampled the cough, and did it. Yeah. That's how they do it. Yeah. And that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. Just now I know how they're doing that stuff. And at this, I got laid off from this, this uh, painting and decorating firm. And I was walking through town and one of the lads who used to do breakdancing, because I used to go from the, the village into Stafford to watch the guys breakdancing. And one of the guys who, who was in this crew in Stafford, I saw him in a shop and he's like, oh, what are you, what are you up to now? I was like, oh, I've just literally just been laid off. He's like, oh, you need to come around mine. I've got a set of decks. I was like, oh, I've, got a, I've got a keyboard. I'll bring it with me. So went over to his and he just got like two decks and he he could do all the scratching and everything yeah. you know he showed me how to do the transformer scratch like he played a record with it on and then showed me how to do it like oh my god <laughs> main blow yeah, so I went round his and his he name was Grandmaster Flash <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually what was his was, I think he's now Slick D. <laughs> yeah. Not not quite as not quite as good. But he honestly he was a brilliant DJ. You know, yeah. like 
cutting between two copies and scratching yeah. and stuff. You know, he showed me a lot about that kind of thing. And so he'd mix like two copies of of a drum beat, you know, off those Simon Harris Breaks and Beats albums. That's right, yeah, yeah. And then I'd play a bass line on this, this little Casio thing. Live? Yeah. And we'd record it down to cassette and then he'd put his, his personal stereo into one channel in his mixer playing the cassette and then we'd overdub like a vocal sample or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we did a demo cassette of just, I mean, they're, they're absolutely terrible. But it's that DIY, the punk yeah. rock mentality. Just You're just learning on your feet, you know? Totally. I mean, there was no sequencing, you know, we didn't know anything about computers or anything, but we just, you'd have like a chord sample or something, so you'd, you'd have your drum beats, this chord going, and then you'd play that back. So every time you overdubbed something, the quality would get worse and worse, <laughs> yeah. so it really muffled. But we did a whole cassette of this stuff, and this was like early 88. What kind of age were you at that time? Um, 19. Still a teenager, yeah. just, just loving the creative process. Just, all sort of yeah, thing. and th- there was there was three of us, it was me, Dean and Gareth. And, you know, you, you're praying about like, oh yeah, if we ever get on top of the box, I'm going <laughs> to, I'll stand there like this, you know, wearing wearing your flight jackets and, uh, with the big VWs all over and stuff. <laughs> and then we saw a, an advert in the, the newspaper and a recording studio had just opened in Stafford. And he's like, why, why don't we take the tape there? It's like, oh, don't be that off, it's crap. No, no, let's go, let's go, Ronnie. So we all are dead bolshy, rolled up, all three of us, like with the VWs and stuff, the big black jackets, <laughs> yeah. like. We are life savings Dr. invested Dr. in a studio tape. Just, just took this tape, and the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I'll sign you up. Wow. Well, you're going to record a demo, but he just went, I'll sign it. Oh, yeah, oh. I, like what, I like what you're doing, I'll sign you. Wow. I mean, we had no idea what, why we even went to the studio. You know, we'd never been in the studio, knew nothing about, like, we want to record this track. We just took this crappy tape and played it to him, and he obviously saw some kind of promise somewhere. Yeah, he's heard the potential in there. Mm. Because, I mean, it's not as if there was loads of people doing it, you know? He was, he's an old Northern Soul DJ who'd, had he, he was like his biggest claim to fame was uh, there was a group called Mai Tai around in the mid 80s and they had a track called History that's charted and he'd worked on the song before that right you know <laughs> so he was always I'm Mr Big but yeah it wasn't really Aye. through association yeah so but he you know he got like this full 24 channel recording studio got an engineer in there so he was like oh when you're seeing that can i say it's blown you you think you're in a starship enterprise don't you when you see a real studio yeah we're we're in there and you just can't believe us and he's like he's just said we'll sign you you know we're gonna make records yeah was there any chart of money or advances it it was just like yeah that's good enough Yeah. yeah i mean i mean even to to this day I just want to make records. Yeah. You know, the business side, to my detriment, I've never got hold of uh-huh. at all. I just like making records. Yeah. You know, that that's my thing. Yeah. So, like, the first time I ever heard one of my tunes played in a record shop or saw it, you know, pressed, 
that's me. Uh, that, that's payment alone, yeah. isn't it? That, that's that's kind of it's the art first. Yeah. The business is it's, it's two things, isn't it? There's, yeah. there's the music and then there's the business. It's not like one thing. Yeah. It's definitely I'm two just things. Not that, I'm not that clever. Yeah. You know. So you went into this uh, recording studio with your two mates, and and what what's what's that? What's what's coming out of that? What what's the music that's getting made? Well, we wanted to we wanted to go in and make house, and you know the stuff with like scratching and and bits on, but you know like Crush was had been out like yep. a year or two previous, um, and because Bomb the Bass was in the charts. Oh, massive and, again, isn't it? and Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. <clears throat> a favourite of mine. So he was like, I want that. He was always chasing a hit. Right, right. Okay. So we didn't really want to do that kind of thing. We wanted to make more housey kind of stuff, but he was like, no, it's he, this is what's big at the moment. But also coming from just rough demos on mm. a cassette tape to like a guy going, I want a number one smash. Yeah. B- bit of pressure straight away as well, is it no? And I mean, it, it was the furthest thing away from a number one smash you've ever had. <laughs> Honestly. It, it, when people like now and they do like, oh, I've just made this tune, it's my first effort, and they put it up and it's like fully, brilliantly produced sure. tune, and you're like, that's amazing. And it's like, you want to hear the dog do that I came out with. Oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's, I mean, people even say, oh, I've heard this, it's ace. It's like, how can you like that? It's mm-hmm. Honestly, it's terrible. And it got pressed up. Weird. But, but, but these are, again, it's just you're learning on your feet. You know, mm. there isn't there like a, now it's so easily available to get like high polished, finished stuff on one computer. Mm. Whereas then you're piecing it together. You're, you're finding a recording studio if you're lucky. And I mean, what kind of, did they, they have samplers and it was, it was an engineer that was working away with your ideas when you were down there? He, he was, he was doing what the studio owner said mm-hmm. and then we would like scratching over the top of it trying to make it a bit more like how we liked yeah but he, he he wasn't au fait with all the equipment he was learning as he was going because yeah. the, the studio had literally just opened yeah so we were saying oh we want to do that kind of thing and he's, he didn't know how to do it I mean there's things on there where we're manually triggering samples you know out of time over the top of stuff yeah. um what was the project names you were putting out well we the first thing we did was rhythm mode D. Um, no idea how we could. I know the D was from Slick, Slick D, D. <laughs> but, but that's I no idea how we came up with that name. But there was the three of us, and after the first day in the studio, Gareth left. <clears throat> he was like, "This isn't for me." Right. So he ditched. Um, so then me and Dean we we worked together for like the next year um, on loads of different we did like the Rhythm OD thing and then we eventually got the studio owner to agree to let us do an Acid album so we we did an Acid album I mean we didn't even have a 303 (laughs) so the first thing we got was a a Gen SX 1000 Mm -hmm. which has just got an output there's no din sync no MIDI no nothing so we played an acid line for seven minutes down to tape so someone live. was playing it live and someone was like yeah, turning yeah. the knobs you know to make the acid thing yeah. <clears throat> and then someone bought an, an SH-101 so we did the same thing yeah. um, messing about with that playing it live 
we didn't even know how to like sync things up on using the SMPTE code that ran the, the computer and stuff. Yeah. So for a while, when the studio engineer left, we were like, you'd start the tape machine and then press start on the Atari and then use the arrow keys to keep it in time. Yeah, yeah. We're just proper fluffing it all the way along. But we managed to make an acid album without a 303. Wow. Um, and we did... We did like breakbeat albums, you know, break with drum loops and then scratches and stuff. Mm -hmm. Loads of different kinds of albums. Um, it's getting like an apprenticeship, really, yeah. isn't it? Just and learning how to use the equipment as we were making records. Yeah. I mean, the first Bizarre Ink album that that me and Dean did. When you listen back to it, there's like one tiny idea strung out over seven minutes. You know that they didn't change mm -hmm. enough, but we were still learning. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's you can you can hear it when you listen back to it. The process of oh, they've learned that now. You know that's yeah, yeah. They've learned how to EQ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what these do. <laughs> you know, well, we used to sample everything and like, all oh, right, we need it to be stereo, so we'd sample two mono things and pan them. Right, right. <laughs> what are you doing? You're just, you're just uh, learning you're your just, feet, aren't yeah. you? And yeah, and you know, oh, put flange on everything. Uh -huh. Just not add an idea, but you'd hear something on a record and try and emulate it. Yeah, you know, how do you do that? And oh. It was a very hands-on the studio, mm -hmm. mute buttons, and I think there was a little there was a little onboard computer. Um, I think it was a Commodore sixty-four built into the desk wow. to do the automation. So that wasn't that wasn't entirely reliable. Yeah. So you'd program something into it and then run the whole track down, and it wouldn't do what you said. And it was like if it sounded all right, oh, that'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we were mastering down to Betamax cassette. And it was be, it was before that. Betamax, which was a lot better quality than VHS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it had this it had this habit of dropping out. Oh, okay. So you'd always have it once you'd you'd finish recording the tune, go back and listen to it all. And he's like, after you've listened to a tune so many times while you like in the recording process, then you finally record it. Nine times out of ten, you're not gonna rewind it and play it and listen to it. Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds all right and stop it. Yeah. So there's there's a tune on the first Nexus twenty one album with like a gap drop <laughs> where it drops out. <laughs> But don't. Some people spend years programming that kind of stuff now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nicely out of time. <laughs> but I remember when, uh, I don't know how I found out about it, but you could actually record your DJ mixes onto VHS. Did you ever do that? No. So you used it as an audio thing and you could do like a bit after parties, everybody's partied right out and you'd be, like, be able to do, record a, a three hour DJ mix of just no endless way. party DJing, you know? And that was like longer than a C60 or a C90. Mad. So, I mean, on all that kind of, the bizarre things, uh, I blast because I remember talking about it a couple of years ago with you. I forgot about it until you mentioned it. Had, what was the first sort of big track that came out that, became like a sort of hit or you know what was the first one that sort of surprised you all that kind of blew up is like, I suppose the rave scenes kicking off and all that um, I mean with it with the like we did the the bizarre ink thing um, and the the first 12 inch of the first album that got to number 100 in the in the UK charts which you know is absolutely nothing but 
it was the first time we'd ever seen one of our tracks in a chart. What track was that? Um, the one side was called It's Time to Get Funky, which is like a hip house thing, mm -hmm. and the other side is technological. Right. Um, and it got to number 100, and at that point, Dean wanted to work solo. Um, so we went our separate ways mm -hmm. for a bit, and then I came back to the studio and started Nexus 21. So he was continuing to do Bizarre Inc. Yep. I was doing um, the, the Nexus 21 thing. And because I couldn't play keyboards, I had no idea at all. Um, the, the bloke around the studio put me together with, with Chris. Um, so we'd go in the studio, I'd take like a pile of tunes in. Um, and he'd start playing something, he'd be like, nah, nah, that's, that's shit. Mm -hmm. Try again. Yeah. Do like another, go up at the end. No, that, that, <laughs> that bit, that loop, that bit. Yeah, yeah. Until you got like something and that that's how we recorded stuff. But we never knew any of the stuff did anything. We never got any like DJ reactions really. Uh, we weren't told about sales. You know, you didn't know how well mm -hmm. this stuff was doing at all. So I don't. I think it was it was much later, like when we were with uh, Network Records, like in 1990, when you know they'd actually tell us what was going on with with tunes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, some of the the early Nexus stuff, underground wise, you know, be, you'd you'd be in a club and the tune would come on and everyone would like you know do a certain dance or whatever, and it'd yeah. like there'd be cheers. And that way you knew the tune was doing well, but I, I don't think it was until like um, Infiltrate, the alternate tune, that, mm -hmm. that we knew, you know, something was, was actually yeah. actually blowing up, you know, and going to do something big. What, I mean, what was the first alternate track that you released and how did you come up with the, the name? Well, we were, th there was a, a transition period between when we were at Blue Chip and the studio in Stafford and we were recording stuff and we got stuff like bits and pieces on that and the studio ceased trading the label everything and and we said to the this the studio boss he'd like locked up and everything he's like you know you owe us for all these tunes that we've yeah. done he's like well you can have two weeks studio time don't tell anyone gave us the keys so we went in and whereas Nexus 21 was a, a one particular style of music that I was influencing, because I've been going to like different clubs and raves and what have you. Just as, a, was, as a punt or something? Yeah, of thing. there was more influences yeah. on this stuff that we did in these two weeks. So when we signed to Network and they were like, we want your, your Nexus 21, your old album, we're going to remix the 12-inch the, the of it, blah, blah. Have you got any more stuff on that? So we played on um, this CNM connection thing that we'd done, which is like an Italian piano thing. Um, and then got this tap with like about nine tracks on. And they're like, we really like it. You could tell it's by you guys, but it, we wouldn't want to put it out as Nexus 21 because people who are into Nexus 21 would be like, oh no, that's, that's not. So they're like, can you think of another name? And Chris had been in a rock band at, at school called Alienate. So we're like, let's call ourselves Alienate, you know, with an eight. Whoa, they're yeah. clever. Because <laughs> <coughs> it was an eight track EP, mm -hmm. even though we hadn't got onto the whole eight thing for, for years yet. Yeah. 
they put it out on purely the value for money kind of like the Looney Tunes things you know where you've got so many tracks on the 12 they didn't bother DJ promo in it it was like we're going to put this out people are going to buy it because there's so many tracks it's value for money yeah so they gave us a call and said oh the the copies of the record are in so drove over to Birmingham opened the box pulled it out says alternate on it like, that's wrong yeah. like, it's tough really it's done now that's again a happy accident yeah. Sort of yeah. yeah that's brilliant I mean it's it, it proved to be a much happier accident years later yeah. you know but <clears throat> it was nice you know they they messed it up but that was it yeah. alternate yeah okay cool cosmic and and then that came out at the same time as the Nexus 21 thing so I'd, I'd be going out and you'd hear like this Nexus 21 self-hypnosis track and then someone would play something off the alternate EP and it was like you know two things going off and they were getting in like record mirror charts but there was no you know like commercial success yeah. but they were doing you know underground stuff and, but the ne the Nexus 21 thing was still the more important of the two you know that's one we were doing gigs as, as Nexus 21 there was like a, a warp network work tour where there was us uh rhythmatic nightmares on wax and lfo mm -hmm. you know we were going going up and down the country doing doing gigs as nexus 21 which was a really a really sort of credible bunch of people to be in with and all that yeah. it was maybe the more serious end of, of sort of dance music early techno and all that yeah. isn't it it was i mean at that time network and and warp were like you know the cool northernish yeah, yeah. labels um but when we went down to london everyone just stood there you know with their arms folded like you know impress us yeah kind of thing but it was you know from from say like nottingham north just went off yeah know, go was, for it. yeah so the alternate things sort of blew up a wee bit more then than, than the network stuff is that maybe how you put the masks on because you were wanting to keep your credibility and your well, coolness was, that, was, that was that was the the, the whole thing was hiding yeah. who we were because we we wanted to do like oh you know your alternate things sold you know the 8 tracker that's done alright do you want to do another one just to follow it up so we got a um, a remix to do like a, we were doing a Nexus 21 remix or something did the remix finished it and we'd still got like some hours studio time so we put together Infiltrate really quickly um, that was on on promo and it, it was getting played by a lot of DJs but we were still doing this Warp Network tour mm -hmm. thing and we played in the Eclipse in Coventry as Nexus 21 so he was on stage, um, MC, a couple of dancers, me and Chris at the back, X-Stand. It got um, a Casio keyboard um, and, and an and, and Sonic SQ-80, yeah. which did all the sequencing and stuff. Yeah. And I got um, an 808 and a doing all the drums. And then the Eclipse contacted us and said oh we want you to do like a, an alternate PA you know this this tune's going down well here and we'd had no idea 
that we were ever going to do like an alternate pair. It was the alternate thing was, you know, we'd done this EP just because these were the, the tunes we'd made f- with the studio time. Yep. So it wasn't like a serious thing. And because that had done okay, let's do a follow up. But it wasn't something we were really concentrating yep. on. So we knew if we went back to the eclipse, we're going to look exactly the same. Same X stand, same keyboard, same drum machine, same dancer, same MC. And me stupidly thinking people are going to be in the crowd going, no way, I've seen them before. <laughs> Whereas 90% of the crowd are going to look, who's that? <laughs> but I, I'd got this thing where like, we need to look different. Yeah. And my brother was in the RAF at the time. And I said, have you got any like any stuff that we can hide ourselves with? And he, oh, <laughs> I've got some of these suits. And they're like vacuum packed chemical warfare suits. Brilliant. And we we put them on and if you ever put like a hood on and pull the cord you look a right wally so like we need to cover up a bit more of the face yeah. what can we do go to B&Q bought a mask and because I like the whole acid thing with the, like the fluorescent you know the UV tubes and everything yeah. was glowing it's like paint that so it stands out let's put an eye on it for alternate but, and that was it yeah. it was just let's cover ourselves up and what can we do we've got a gig in two weeks we need to think of yeah. something quick so that there was no like, oh, let's have this master plan and we're going to have this image and we're going to do. It was just quick. This gig's coming up. Cover ourselves. And in doing so, you just basically invented the iconic rave. It was, it was, it's <laughs> weird. It's the maddest yeah. thing ever. It's it's bizarre. I mean, it, you, you play a gig in like America, it looks some big EDM thing, and there's kids walking around with masks, and they have no idea why they're wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like. How and it's all stemmed from this guy that? here. You know, just pure accident. Quick, let's go to B&K. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'll, will we play a couple of these, those tracks and then come back cool. for another chat? Welcome to the 1994 Old School Show.
Biscuits here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so the alternate thing is just kind of catching ev- everybody involved by surprise, just yeah. blown up. It was and trying to do the two projects at the same time. Yeah. One of them had to go. You know, it's like when you're when you're making stuff and and it's blowing up. You need to get on the follow up yep. straight away. You know, and it was like getting the pressure for the label. No, we need another track. Yeah. And and but you you've also got this pressure from if you make a tune. I mean, it was even on. I don't know whether you saw that Bross thing that was on TV. I did. It was it was fascinating. It was car crash, but it was oh. fascinating. But the bit where they said that one of their tunes went in at number nine, and the press straight away were like, "Bross are dead." Yeah. And he's like, "You've gone straight in at nine, yeah. and they're saying you're dead." And so Just you've got hundreds of thousands of records, isn't yeah. It? You've but you've got that pressure. Yeah. You know that if 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 you have a tune like say Infiltrate went in at twenty eight, the next tune went in at twelve. See, so the next tune you do after that has got to go in higher than yeah, that. Because yeah. if you don't, you're on yourself yeah. as well, don't you? Yeah, and it's then you're trying to make something that's going to beat the last yeah. one. So you're not making stuff that necessarily, you know, you would have done if if you hadn't had that success. Well, it's, it's not just a, it's, it's become far more than just a project. You start it in the studio, you start yeah. to focus and maybe overthink things. Yeah. Rather than just have that laid back attitude, DIY, let's try this. You know, you're very much aware of yeah. what other people are thinking instead of what you want to do. Yeah, totally. I it, mean, there's, there's a, like the thing where, Certain groups like Two Unlimited did it for a bit and Technotronic did it for a bit. They do one tune and then the next one's almost a carbon copy of the first one just with like different lyrics. And the British record buying public will will buy into that for one, two, maybe three times. The fourth time you do it and it's like, 
samey, boom, onto the next thing. Yep, yep. And then your original underground following who, who liked you before you had that first success and maybe liked that, that big hit. Yeah. You do a carbon copy of it and they're like, Pfft. so you've lost them. And then the British record buying public have shunned you after your fourth attempt. You're high and dry without nothing. Yeah. So it's so fickle. Yeah, it is. The, did it alternate to the top of the pops? Yeah, five five times in total. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, resident band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had our own dressing room. <laughs> but all we, yeah, it was honestly mental. Just yeah. from from being a kid and watching it on telly. Yeah, you know, and being sat cross-legged, you know, watching Shalimar and all this like yeah. kind of imagination and all that kind of stuff. Oh my, cl- I'm clanging. Sorry, right. well, we sort of, I don't even know what they are, Chinese. <laughs> Feng Shui stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when things get a bit tight in the studio, I just ring the bell and <laughs> everything's fine. <laughs> but I used to, used to watch it as a kid and then the next, it's, it's recorded on a Wednesday, but they record it exactly how you see it, which is weird. So you go down on a Wednesday and during the day you do like loads of like rehearsals so the first time you'll just be how many people are on stage so they just stand you right is that where you're going to stand and they script the cameras mm-hmm. right then they'll play the tune move how you're going to move yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then oh he's a bit more exciting than him so we'll <laughs> we'll stay on him for a bit and then they do like a dress rehearsal with all the lights and stuff it's absolutely boiling so you're doing all these rehearsals during the day and it's at the same studio as EastEnders. Yeah. So you go into the canteen and the Mitchell brothers are there and like, <laughs> Doc Cotton. <laughs> and it's, everything was just blowing your head completely. You know, I'm stood in the top of the Bob studio and all this is going on around you. And then like, Ricky was sat watching because he was like banging to the whole rave thing and he's like sat there like, really oh, my, oh my God, it's Ricky. And it was just, it, honestly, you just couldn't get your hat on at all. Yeah. And then, then in the evening, they do like the credits. So you can see the credits going up on the board. The bloke comes in, introduces first in about whatever number, boom. And it's like a rectangular studio with a stage at each end and then either side. So it's four stages. So they'll pan to that and shove a bunch of people in the front of the stage <laughs> with all the cameras on it. So say Rizal is there yeah. and we're stood here watching it all. She'll finish and then straight in at number 12. And then they'll herd all the people to the front of this stage, move all the cameras and off you go. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 the first time we were on there, it gets to the bit where it activates, it's doing like the synth bit with the top one, nice one, gets yeah. sorted. And you know, like on any kind of TV program where, where they start, there's like a big audience and they start playing music and everyone claps, but they go way out of time. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing that. And when someone starts clapping out of time, you end up like uh, moving to how they're clapping. <laughs> 
and he was like you're going out of time stop it stop it and luckily our MC was he was like bang on yeah, yeah. and he like kicked it back in right at the perfect time <laughs> but he, oh it was horrendous you try to sink it in your yeah, brain he's, and because I'm I'm there because I couldn't play keyboard so I didn't want to pretend I was playing keyboard so I'm stood there with like an 808 just like <laughs> twiddling stuff with my little pot of Vicks <laughs> yeah oh, that's brilliant isn't it the, the, the full the full thing as 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 a teenager watching Top of the Pops and it was just the, the dance explosion and all that it was just amazing because even like it was kind of like we're taking over you know it's like the the sort of music that I was into and like obviously thousands of people all over the UK it was just kind of like it's seeping into the the mainstream sort mm. of thing you know it's 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 getting and it's something you didn't realise because we were making tunes to be played at a rave or in yeah. a club you didn't think outside of it at all so a radio you, edit you, yeah you never thought there's going to be someone who's like 12 sat down watching Top of the Pops thinking oh my god what's this yeah it didn't inspiring it, yeah uh, and so it didn't it didn't enter your head at all yeah. so like years later when people come up and say oh like I watched Top of the Pops and you came on and you know this is me yeah. and you've inspired me to like make and it proper blows your head yeah. because it's not something that you ever thought would happen yeah and that moment you're mm. just you're caught up in it <clears throat> totally yeah I, I think that's what's great about the old school scene in general is we've, we've, we've sort of came through it and it's just with that passage of time you can look back in things mm. and go, it really was a special time. That yeah. was, you know, and what you're talking about, you kind of realise through talking to people what effect it had. Yeah. You didn't realise at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, people have come up and said, oh, like, I had your seven inch of evaporate and took it to a school disco and all my mates were into it. Yeah. And it's like, you never, you know, being at school discos and listening to like there was like status quo or whatever on there, and you never thought like years later, yeah. kids are going to be taking your stuff and asking the DJ to play it at a school disco, and you know all their mates are banging into it and all wearing masks and sort of. Wow, that's just mental, wasn't it? Mm. The I remember the first time I'd seen Alternate live was at Livingston Forum. In Scotland, big, yeah. sort of, I think it was Awesome One Hundred One Rave. It was called. Yeah, and we had done a a gig there ourselves. I think we were on earlier on the night, and it came for you guys to come on and it was like the groupies. And we would very much do the gig and then go out raving. It was like for us getting into it, it was like free entry to raves, and you know, so you do the gig and then it was time to party. Mm. And, it, and I remember you doing doing the set and all that. And I was just like, fucking, wow, that's amazing and all that. It was big lasers kicking off. And then also because we had like access to the backstage, either you had just came off or he's were, you know. And I remember like sitting in the backstage area, and, and I don't know if it was yourself. It might have been. You were getting out the the boil suits, the sweaty suits, and, and I'd seen behind the wizard's curtain. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're, they're just guys. Yeah, what? just people inside. There's people them. inside this. Yeah. But when you see somebody on a stage and the lights and the lasers, you're fucking looking at two aliens or whatever. It's, you know, it's that's just the like, weird thing about the suits. That was alternate. Yeah. No one ever thought there's people inside yeah. there. It's just these two guys wearing green yeah. masks. I mean, even Blandy, we did a gig in Orlando, and we this was like '93. And we were out there for a week, so we'd like flown over there, hung out for an entire week. We're in like a port cabin behind the stage. I put the suit on, and he's like, 
Fucking hell, it's you. <laughs> it's like Blandy, I've been with you all week. It's like, yeah, yeah, but it's just clicked. Ill, that's that boy yeah. from Alternate. <laughs> and he's, honestly, even promoters, you know, they, they booked us to yeah. play at their club and they've come backstage in like 15 minutes, lads, you're on. Yeah, yeah, sound, sound. And they come up, five minutes, lads, you're on. Yeah, yeah. And then they come back in, you've got the suit on. He's like, seen you on top of the pops <laughs> and they just don't there's no yeah. joint between the people and then when you've got the suit on it's something completely different I mean even like after the gig's finished if you're hanging about having a couple of drinks you're anonymous yeah. you know people unless they actually know you or they've met you before yeah, you shot myself like- in the foot there, didn't I? Because <laughs> <laughs> the da- the dancers and the MC were cleaning yeah, up, know, yeah, yeah. and then I knew who's the janitor. The drink <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, they've got a bloke to come and take the keyboards off. Yeah, <laughs> damn. <laughs> but I was- so I mean, the, the, enjoying amazing success for all that. Was what was it? The, the rave scene sort of kind of dried up or changed was there a, a sort of downside because it's no all you know amazing times I don't know what, what, when would you start kind of feeling like I don't know we've all, was it a gig you've went what am I doing here or it's not working anymore or things have moved on was there any I think it, there was the relationship with Chris because right. we, we weren't I didn't know him before we started working together um, and he wasn't like a mate you know mm-hmm. from school or anything so it's like with any relationship, you know, like, it's like when you go out with someone, everything can be cool until you, like, move in together and then you yeah. realise what the person's really like and it's like, oh, shit. And on the road and it, touring with somebody, yeah. you're in each other's So when, you, when you're with someone all the time and, and it just it started to grate a bit. And he was more into computers mm-hmm. than the music side. So a lot of times, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd be doing all the, the tunes and we'd do a gig he'd turn up do the gig and go whereas I'd like as soon as we finished you know we're down the front going for it so we're two very you know different kind of people Um, so the relationship was getting a a bit tense and then the way the rave scene was going and it was speeding up and it just it didn't suit alternate you know we didn't make jungle um how would you we, class alternate music? What would you say it as? I mean, it, we it got called hardcore back then. You know, we were, we were bunched in with with everyone, but it was a it was a sound of ninety one, ninety two, mm-hmm. rave. Yeah, so it was the way the scene was splitting up with techno and with jungle and happy hardcore and everything. I couldn't see alternate going down any of those. You know, at that time. You know, maybe if we we'd. Have, tried but the way the relationship was we weren't working together very well you had a chart success mm. and all that and he was like a hypnotic state went in at like 16 which was like lower than evaporate so the press were on at yeah Bros is uh, not yeah, happy he was, he was yeah <laughs> exactly um, and here's me doing a documentary <laughs> that's my dog I just thought I'd get a paint of it holding a paint <laughs> I've got my butter knife with me. <laughs> but it was, hey, that's coming. Yeah. You've done the book. The film's next. <laughs> I'm telling you. But it's... He, 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 there was the pressure. And 
the way things was going and there was like a bit of a backlash mm -hmm. against Raver at that time with the opening of like um, you know super clubs and stuff and people dressing smart and then there's like the holy sneering at the uh, yeah, yeah. sweaty ravers cheesy quavers the whole thing and and it was I couldn't see where we were going to go musically working with Chris wasn't working out and the the label said well why, why don't you we end on a high you know you've you've done this with alternate let's let's stop it and then go back to being nexus 21 and we tried to do some new nexus material chris wasn't interested and it, it just got to i was doing loads of different bits on my own i mean a lot of the a lot of the alternate stuff i did completely on my own and then i was doing like uh, dj nex and zen mantra on my own and and Chris wasn't happy with the fact that I was like doing loads of work and he was doing doing nothing, mm -hmm. um, and he just just ended us with us splitting up. Yeah. Um, Did the Bells of New York thing come out? When was that? Was that well? That was doing all the alternate stuff. That was right towards the end. That was one of the things that that made the group split up because I was working with other people and he didn't like it. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, you know, I'm allowed to work with who, yeah, who yeah. I want, really. Um, but you know, I I kind of I was getting out of the hardcore thing. <clears throat> the whole dark side thing wasn't my cup of tea. You know, a lot of it I liked, mm -hmm. but the quality of the music was going downhill. <clears throat> a lot of people were, were buying the technology and not necessarily. <clears throat> Sorry, that's all right. Not necessarily doing things musically. So there's like a lot of really speeded up vocals, mm -hmm. things out of key and he was like why are people pressing this stuff up yeah. you know the, even the dance floors will get yeah. moody and all that yeah. with that kind of music aren't they and he was just uh, and I just kind of got out of it and got into the like the, the American house kind of stuff masters at work and that and that's when I started working with Danny doing the, the slow motion Bells of New York thing mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was a weird it was a weird time mm -hmm. and was there a, was there a sort of a, a time things uh, you know some time to look back and things and how I suppose how did the full the celebration of your past work come back again because you know over the last I don't, I don't know how many years now you, you've just been flying high as a DJ first and foremost well, DJ Mark Archer but yeah. you're celebrating the alternate stuff and even things like the boiler room set that you've done you know like the thing that strikes me, even though I know that music, if it's played right and the right tracks are selected, it's as relevant now mm. as it's ever been. It almost sounds new yeah. again, which is, it, it, I, I don't even know how I'm, yeah. I know the tracks. Yeah. But, but we've had we've had that at gigs, haven't we? Where people have come up, and obviously, you know, there's there's the people who were there back then. They know all the tunes. The younger brothers and sisters, and for for years, the gigs consisted of like the crowds were the people from back then, their younger brothers and sisters, and then all of a sudden you've got like a new generation of people who've been brought up on the music by yeah. their moms and dads. You know, so like youngsters know all the tunes, they know all the words and stuff. But there's also the ones who've never heard any of it. Yeah. And they, they've even asked Nikki while I've been playing, like, what is this music? Mm -hmm. 
you know, where can I buy this? And she's like, this is like 25, 30 years old. And they had never heard it before in their lives. 20 years old themselves or something, yeah. But it's just like, wow. Because of the euphoric nature of a lot of the tunes, it just gets you. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's there's been no no scene like it since. Yeah. Where, you know, obviously there's tunes where it's bangers and it builds up. But those tunes from back then, Obviously, they evoke memories with mm-hmm. with the people who were there, but just the feeling of it. And obviously, this has been passed down to people who have listened to it all their lives. Their mom and dad have played this day in day out, and I get people coming up to me. Like I played in the sub club, and a young girl came and sat down next to me. What's going on here? She's like, my mom said, if you're ever in town, I need to come and hear you, and it's like. Well done for making me feel like ancient. <laughs> but how nice is that? That yeah. not only has the mom said, you know, you need to go and see yeah. him, but she's like listened to her mom and thought, you know, and actually I really will enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and gone out and loved it. Yeah. Um, but it was for years. Like we we stopped doing the alternate thing, um, like ninety ninety three, and like the business thing ended in ninety four. And I didn't do anything until like 99. And and it, it got to a point where I was almost completely done with music. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd struggled and struggled and struggled through the late 90s. And I'd given up. That was that was it. And I got a phone call. I was just like, would alternate play it? Um, I'm doing like an old school revival rave. This was 99. Like, I don't know whether you know, but we split up years ago. I like, oh, don't care who's on stage, you know, as long as you wear the suits and play the tunes. Yeah. Um, so we we got Danny from Slow Motion. He put the other suit on and we did a gig. And it was like we'd been on stage the week before. It was exactly the same. Yeah. You know, the absolute chaos on stage trying to set stuff up, you know, not knowing what time you're supposed to be going on. Yeah, and yeah. The, it, was, it was as though we'd never stopped. It was... And then we did like a, a few bits and bobs. We did one at the Arches for the Let's Go Way Back. Yeah. Lads in about 2002. Did a few PAs and stuff. But Chris was always in the background wanting me to stop using the alternate name. It's like, well, I'm, I'm off of alternate, you know. It was the band I was in. Of course I'm allowed to use it. Yeah. And I think it was like 2009, 2010. He, he, called in the big guns and got solicitors on the case and all the rest to stop me and and I asked a lot of people for help um, and someone put me in touch with this this bloke and it you know it cost me thousands yeah. of pounds just to agree to say I won't use the name no, I did nothing in writing but it was like I can't use the name so something that uh, uh, yeah. probably both about up and owned totally and bookings that I'd got I, I had to phone people and say, look, you can't put alternate on the flyer now. You can put Mark Archer alternating brackets. And uh, no, that's not what we want. We want alternate. On. So I lost loads of bookings and it was like, boom, I had to start my career again. I mean, it, it got to a point, you know, I couldn't pay my mortgage, lost my house, the whole shebang. Yeah. Um, luckily, I'd met Nikki and, you know, she asked me to move in with her. She's an absolute lifesaver. So it would got well grim yeah um, I mean that's the downside a lot of people don't really know about the music yeah. industry you know 
it's amazing highs, but the lows can kill you, man. It's, there's a lot of appearances. You know, people will see, oh, you're, you're playing in multi. You're like, you know, you're out there rolling in it, throwing the money about. You've been on top of a you must be a millionaire. It's, it's not like that. You know, they think that the money never stops coming in. And it's like, it does stop and it gets spent. And then that's, the where where's it going from here? Yeah. Um, so I, I literally had to start again, using my own name to DJ and built it up and built it up over luckily I've I've been able to play not just old school gigs I get booked for like house or techno where people say you know this was an influence on what we're playing so we want you know to show the crowd you know where this all came from mm -hmm. um, which is brilliant mm, you know so I, I get a, a very broad range of, of gigs so luckily I've been able to build it up you know with, with Nikki's help she took on my bookings I mean there was one point I was with an agency and in a year they didn't get me a single gig you know every gig that came in was people had messaged me through Facebook and I'd pass it on mm -hmm. and there was a point where for like two three months I didn't have any work at all and if it wasn't for Nikki's wage you know it, it, there's no food on the table but we've built it up she's absolutely smashed the, the sorting the bookings out <laughs> it's like she doesn't want me at Nicky's, home or Nicky's something here, just for anyone listening she's got a gun to Mark's head <laughs> <laughs> metaphorically speaking <laughs> but it's I could put my e email address on Facebook and say you know for bookings contact that's all I can do about it. I can't go on and shout about myself. Yeah. You know, I'm not that kind of person. I think Nick that's a northern mentality in you, but as well, isn't it? Nicky doesn't to sell mind. yourself. Mm. You need somebody else there. That, and, and like, in and, and much respects, too many agencies are there to pick up the call. They're not there to do the actual work and mm. make it happen. And that, yeah. that's what separates a good agency, a good publisher, a good record. You know, yeah. people who are doing the work, not just sitting back in the good times. Waiting. And, yeah, I'll take 20%. Yeah. That's how much it is. See you later. You, know, you, need, you need to work at anything to make it good, mm. and that's and, that, and that's yeah. I guess what, you, what you're doing. You're working hard. Well, she she doesn't mind shouting about me. Yeah, you know, which is which is ace. And you need so that in your corner yeah. when yeah, that's not just in your nature. You know, yeah. you meet. I always laugh because like you meet some and it, and it's and it's not a London thing. But if some of my friends from London. How are you doing, mate? Oh yeah, well I've got this and I'll get that and, and you know I've got this record. No, mm. I'll just ask how 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 are you? Yeah, you know. Whereas some people find it a lot easier to just be on a constant sell. Yeah, when and it's people... you know yeah you know this some people have got the blag and some mm. people haven't you know and I can't I haven't got the gift of the gab at all. And luckily, you know, Nikki took over the bookings, um, and and has has really pushed it and. Some like key gigs have, have come in, like the boiler room, which people for years had said, like, why don't you do a boiler room? It's like, well, it's always like new stuff, you know, and cool people. It's not it's not what I do, you know. I can't see me going down well on, on boiler room at all. It's just not that kind of thing. So when we got booked for it, I almost said like, no, no, no. Because you're thinking, I, what am I going yeah. to do? And she was like, look, just just do it. And you've got it at the back of your mind, like there's a camera pointing right at you, you know? So while you're DJing, you've got to make yourself look busy yep. in between getting two tracks ready. You know, if someone bangs into you, you can't turn around and have a go at them because yep. you're going to look a right twat. <laughs> 
So it's it's really on you. Yeah. You know how you come across. And then we went to the club and the two guys on before me were playing like techno and stuff and it was a really young crowd and I was thinking oh, I'm going to go down like a crock of shit here. I'm just going to play my first tune and it's going to and you know it's probably going to be empty by the time I finish and put the first tune on and as soon as it because it expansions I mean that's that's one of the tunes where if you play it and it don't go down you may as well get your sticks and go out yeah yeah it's like vamp and stuff like that you know it's guaranteed yeah. and when it dropped and the crowd went off and it was like hold on a minute we might have something yeah yeah and it's that's when you know it's like right concentration mode make sure you know every mix is spot on because everyone's so mega critical now on the on the internet you know yeah. it's like so many trolls and stuff I mean, even that night, people were going, oh, you can't mix for shit. You know, like, what are they doing? Kids don't know how to dance yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah. And it's like, they were going off. Yeah. You know, but it, it was just one of those gigs where it just landed perfectly. Yeah. You know, it's like, really enjoyed it. Crowd were, were fantastic. I mean, there was, a, <laughs> there was a girl all the way through, like, all the way through, doing that on my back, rubbing. <laughs> Like just, just, did, yeah, just didn't <laughs> let go all the way through, and she could see this and was laughing. <laughs> and then this geezer crept in and like tried to like mess yeah. with the EQs and stuff. And then another guy held over a bottle of Bookfast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it was it was early doors in the set, and he was like, I don't want to go down that route yet. And, <laughs> but but people people slated me for not accepting the book fast. Oh, come on. It's like, what kind of wuss are you? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, if it had been half an hour later, yeah. we'd have gone for it. Yeah. But it was just, you know, the pressure was on. Um, you know, and I didn't want to mess anything up because it's a, it's a really big opportunity, oh, you know, yeah. being, being given a, a boiler room. And we stayed in a hotel literally round the corner from the venue. So we finished, went back round, and in between leaving the club and Nikki getting back to the hotel, she got four gig inquiries. Amazing. Like, and it's just, it just shows how powerful that is. Yeah. And I mean, since then, so many promoters have like booked me through Nikki and said, like, can, can he do the boiler room yeah. set? I mean, even like guys that I know who are, I, I wouldn't say like snobs, but like techno guys or house guys that sent it now. And you see, I've sent them the, the, the YouTube link and went, check us out. And they're just like, fucking hell. No, like, oh, I get it. You know, mm. I get it. Because you wouldn't be listening to what you're listening to now if it wasn't if it, yeah. that, mm. you know. And, and, and I, I just think that set in itself is, is amazing. It's it's a big influence on on what's going on now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that, <clears throat> that set, that's what I was telling you about when you go into a new club and you you play across the board because those tunes I've been playing for years and you eventually work out which tunes go down better because with old school you know there was always like the big tunes and then the fillers yeah. if you played some of the fillers now people would be like what on earth is this so you have to be very careful with what tunes you play mm -hmm that you know will go down and because it was boiler room you don't want to play like a, a, a really pothole deep set you know I wanted to play something that was going to work yep. so that those were like tunes that I've I've worked out for years they're going to work 
and when when you're playing and you accidentally like you'll do a mix and it works you know it's like that tune kind of fades out as that tune kicks yeah. in and yeah i remember that mix so that whole set was fluky mixes that i've put together so it's it i've been of years of yeah happy actors. so for like 10 years that that set has yeah. been in the making so that was you know like it, it's pinnacle I mean, a lot of people are listening or maybe DJing will know that a lot of the old school tracks, they weren't even made for DJs. Yeah. There's not really many 32 bar intros or outros. So you're, you know, you're having to rely on your knowledge of yeah. the track to when things are going to start get it, and stop. Get in and get out, yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes you can, you can keep a tune together for ages and sometimes it's like, whoa, get yeah. in. I mean, even, it's not even as if, are, are you putting things through record box and, and quantizing it? Because it's, they're not no. even set to a set tempo, some of them. No. Because it's old. Yeah. analog sequencing and I'm not that drift. clever <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly play tunes off off the the USB as I would a record you know finding the yeah. cue points and and keeping with it so in you, the mix you, you know doing a lot of prep with like loop points and, and cues no there's just no, going straight to it like yeah. you would a vinyl yeah wicked because I was watching you last night and I, and I was kind of thinking is he, is he doing a lot of looping you know because even some of the loops are not even like and you know, everything seems a lot looser in the older productions. Yes. But you still hold it together. Yeah. You know, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass, but it's, it's <laughs> seamless, you know, yeah. and it's and it's and it's it's just ye years of playing the same tunes you get to you get to know them. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, practice. It's it's the right tunes at yeah. the right time, you know. Mm. I mean there is an art in it. Yeah. And, and I think you need to have that knowledge of twenty plus years. I mean, I, I've, I've seen DJs who've turned up with, you know, one of the slim record bags mm -hmm. and they've gone from front to back. And it's like, if if any of your tunes aren't going down, you've got no movement at yeah. all. You know, if if your style's not what they want that night, you're shafted. Yeah. You, you've got to, I used to, when I used to take records, I used to take two boxes. So I got leeway, yeah. you know, and eventually, you know, worked it down to to take in one box. But you've you've got to be able to have kind of movement, you know. If if piano's not their thing and you know, it's a bit poncy for them, like get into the Belgian stuff and yeah. you know give it to them a bit. And you know, if that they want breakbeat, move to the breakbeat stuff quicker. So you've got you know like three times as much of any kind of style as you need so you can move it's like if they're not feeling this and i've got a two-hour set yeah you know i need two hours worth of breakbeat stuff yeah so you, there's always there's always got to have that thing where you're you're watching what's going down and, oh definitely you, know. you get one eye in the mix and one eye in the dance floor totally i mean that's the great thing about usb you can have hundreds of record boxes in there yeah and you're no stuck for what you're going to do you know as much as maybe people go a vinyl or you're not a real dj come on really it's, it's about your knowledge and what yeah, tracks yeah. you're going to play and uh, I've always said it's what it's what comes out of the speaker that counts you know that's what you're dancing to yep. you're not dancing to whether it's a computer on stage or someone with CDs yeah. or, or records that's not what you, you're dancing to the sound uh -huh. so it's like you know you could put a curtain and you wouldn't have an idea what's going on yeah so that, that's irrelevant you know so when people start all this oh, mp3 versus vinyl oh, yeah. go away so do you have like a, in your USB, you, are you got it partitioned into like folders or boxes of rave, breakbeat, whatever, or you just got a pot? Um, you need to get a better remembering of what the tracks are. Yeah, all, I mean, sitting you? there. <laughs> it's, 
I built up that that set so that that that's like an alternate set, mm-hmm. and then then I then I I've got one that's like Belgian techno. So when you know you know it's like rather than scrolling through up and down, I can just come out, go into that folder, and it's like I'll bang this on for an hour, or I've got like a hardcore one, or like a warehouse '89. 90 kind of stuff you know with the earlier bleepy bits and bobs but then there's just like the one main folder with kind of everything in yeah and you're just sort of keeping an eye on things and 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 going through what's working Mm. as opposed to maybe too many people get falling into the habit of 20 tunes and they're playing it start to finish regardless what the dance floor's doing yeah it's you know and and a lot of people will message me and ask me like um i'm i'm preparing a set for tonight and he's like so you're you've picked out your tunes and you've worked exactly out where you're going to mix everything and it's like you're going to have no movement at all yep. if anything's not going down you're shafted yeah I think it's always good to maybe know maybe you're sitting in you kind of know your first maybe second track before you start yeah and then then you're off as long as I've done the first mix and it's I'm okay yeah that first mix is is the crucial yeah. one jobs are good and you're on mm. I mean there's there's a tune that I play um, I played it last night and I know when it comes on it's going to lose interest a bit it's a remix of Strings of Life because no one knows I, I heard that yeah. I was actually going to go what is that a new mix or something yeah. I heard that yeah yeah it's I mean, it's, got some stabs in it, yeah. it. did it's it go well there, but it gets there is it, is it an old thing it's, it's an Ashley Beadle mix so it's a, it's about like 90, 92, 93 right um, but I know even if they've gone off the boil a bit, they're oh, what's this? I know when the piano kicks in, it's going to go off, yeah. you know? So it's just like, you know, bear with me. Yeah. A lot of times I'll go on after a DJ and you take the whole mood of the room down and people might, you'll, you'll look up and people will be, what's he doing? But you know, by the end of your set, they'll have, ah, oh, yeah. that's why. That's it. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. <laughs> take care, honey. <laughs> but... <laughs> But that's a mark of a good DJ. Somebody who know, you know, it's no like, here's the fucking ten bangers I've got in my box. You know, you're giving people. I hate flinging words like experiences or journeys, but you're mm. you're giving them something different. Mm. You know, mm. and you're taking them somewhere. You've got to. I mean, that was 2019, the first of January. You played last night, brilliant gig. What's 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 happening in 2019 for Mark Archer? Was that 31 years in the game? Yeah what's going on but do you feel like do you not feel like it's almost like it's as fresh and as exciting now as it's ever been I still feel 19 which is which is weird because I don't look it in a mirror <laughs> <laughs> but it's I, I honestly feel exactly the same you know it's like I know there's the cliche about people do it for the love you know but if if there wasn't that aspect in it you wouldn't continue to do it you know i've i've had my fair share of people saying you you're milking the scene you know but it's like if i was doing this for the money i'd have given up a long time yeah. ago you know it's like i've had points in, in you know the past 30 years where i've not even had enough money to put petrol in my car and had to walk to the next town you know yeah. it's it's got that crap yeah but Luckily, I'm at a point now where only when you, you know we no means comfortable at all. But the names back there, you know, after, after the work that that we've we've put in, um, and I just want to you know c- continue. Like I've been doing a few few remixes. Um, 
maybe do some like Mark Archer material where it's not I'm not tied down to doing one kind of style yep. you know because I've done so many different things you know I've done acid I've done techno I've done uh, you know the breakbeat stuff I've done house stuff so if I did stuff under my own name I can do anything yep. on you know so I might do you know, you know, some new Trackman stuff some like techno bits and bobs um, so maybe a Mark Archer album then yeah you know it's like uh, 30 years and I've not done uh, an album under my own name so I think what's great now is like people have grew up with your music or new to your music they know that you're not just a one style guy you know yeah. so you, you're sort of open to do whatever you want and that's that, that's a great place to be yeah it is because you don't have to do like you know when you've got an artist who is one particular kind of thing it's like with Alternate if I did like new tunes it'd have to be like 92 yeah. You know, you couldn't just suddenly come in with a wild card yeah. and be like, oh, this is us now. You know, I don't think it would work. Mm-hmm. So if I did stuff on demand, you know, I could do any any of the styles that I've ever worked on, which is... Uh, yeah, there's no rules. Yeah. But I'll, well, listen, I have to say thanks very much for coming well, along. Thank you. It's been a complete honour having you here uh, chatting away. Thank you very much. And thanks for last night as well. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> No probs. <laughs> Nicky, thanks for you coming along as well, sitting there silent. <laughs> Eating the biscuits. <laughs> and so, just to wind things up, is there, so is there a website? And if people want to book you, what's the website that? You, you, want, you want to give that a shout? Um, well, N- Nicky's agency is NLA Artists. So it's uh, nlaartist.com. So, I mean, she's got, she started work doing my bookings. And then people saw that I was busy, and oh, would you do bookings for me? Bookings for me. so she's got quite yeah. quite a few. It's a great roster you've got. <clears throat> yes. So, but she's always moaning she's yeah. doing too much work. Always yeah. on the laptop. Always busy. And yeah. is there a website for yourself, Mark? You- yeah, markarcher.co.uk. And on the Facebook. Yeah. Um- <laughs> <laughs> Great selling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's an al- there's an alternate page um, which you know we 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 put the the gig uh, info if I'm ever playing anywhere or you know. Yeah. There's a Mark Archer Facebook page and a, and an alternate yeah. one. So I put in with the with the links to the podcast and all that as well. Yeah, Sam. Thanks again. I no. know we're, 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 I'm just clock watching to get you back to the airport. Again, can't kind of thank you enough. Thanks. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, check this next track out. You got asterisks in space. Watch your bass bins, I'm telling you. Thank you.
1994 old school show.